You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. In case you missed it, on October 26th at Turbo House on St. Denis Street in downtown Montreal, I will be hosting the very first one-year anniversary party for Vox and Hops. That's right, Vox and Hops is already turning one year old, and I am organizing an epic party night to celebrate it. I've invited all the previous guests of the Vox and Hops podcast, the Vox and Hops alumni, all of those who are close by and can attend will be there to party and celebrate the podcast with me, and I I am inviting all of you Vox and Hopsets to come out and celebrate with us as well. Throughout the night, there will be a very first for the Vox and Hops podcast. There will be a live interview, which I will conduct on site with a very special secret guest, whom I will announce in the next few weeks. I got to tell you that I'm very, very excited to interview this secret guest. It is someone that I've always wanted to interview. So I'm super, super, super stoked for that. And I can't wait to share the guest's name with all of you. In the description of this podcast and on the Vox and Hops Facebook page is a link where you can go purchase your ticket to get admittance into the Vox and Hops one-year anniversary party on October 26th. Along with the ticket, you get the very first Vox and Hops branded glassware. The sucker is a beautiful nine-ounce tasting glass, the exact type of glass that I like to use to drink my beer when I'm at home, and I have a black Vox and Hops logo on it. I'm super excited to get them so that I can take some pictures of them to start showing you guys what to expect. But what are you going to do with this glass at the party, you're asking yourselves? Well, I brewed the very first Vox and Hops collaborative brew alongside the great people of Microbrasserie Le Fermentor, who happen to be Vox and Hops alumni. They are from L'Assomption. I went there last week and we brewed together a New England IPA, which we called Highway to Hops. There's a lot of hops in this. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be fruity. I'm super, super excited to taste this beer with all of you on October 26th at Turbo House for the one-year anniversary party for Vox and Hops. Remember all of that information and you can get your tickets right now. And with the ticket comes the glassware and a tasting of the Highway the Hops. All that information is available in the description of this podcast and it is available on the Vox and Hops Facebook page. Today on the podcast, I'm with Zach Coleman, who is the head brewer at True Brewing and is also the drummer of the band Chemist. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 71. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I'm with Zach Coleman, the drummer and the head brewer of True Brewing from Denver, Colorado. We are on location at Brasserie Harikana in Montreal, which is right down the street from Barla Ritz, yep. where Chemist is playing tonight. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited to be in Montreal and glad to be sitting here drinking a beer with you. So Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, We're thanks almost for drinking on. a beer. We're almost drinking a beer. Yeah, yeah. Soon. Soon to be. Uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Let's start with uh, the musical side of things. Oh, man. Um, well, I've uh, been playing with Chemist now for about six years, but before that I played in uh, several black death metal bands, more extreme underground kind of stuff, and I've uh, been playing heavy metal in some form or fashion for the last 18 years or so, in pretty unsuccessful bands. <laughs> so, As you have to do at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. That's how you learn and how you grow. Um, but enjoying it 
tall the whole time nonetheless. So, you know. What would have been that early inspiration to get you to pick up the drumstick? Oh, my God, man. I mean, the real, the real early inspiration for drumming for me is, um, like, classic rock and roll. Growing up in Texas, like ZZ Top and just being raised on that kind of, you know, ZZ Top, Leonard Skinner, a lot of Southern rock in the house growing up, and then, like, Black Sabbath. And once I heard that, it was like, okay, yeah, melted my brain. I have to do this now. So... What does uh, Chemist have coming up after this tour? We're doing a 10-day run in Europe in November, and then uh, we have uh, another little um, United States run at, at the end of the year, which we haven't announced yet. So, but Sounds exciting. Yeah, it's, it's good. Do, do you know who you're going to Europe with? Um, yeah, it's this band Iron Walrus. Um, so Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sounds awesome. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. We, we haven't really been able to do much in Europe. Last year we did some festivals, uh, Roadburn, um, Doom Over Leipzig, and those were great. But uh, this will be our first time doing like a string of shows there. And uh, for various reasons, it's taken us a long time to make it happen. So I'm excited to get, get over and do that. What would be a dream tour for Chemist? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, we, we always joked when we started the band that... You know, our, our dream was to tour with High on Fire, yeah, um, yeah. which we almost were able to do once. But So I still think that's up there, though. That would be great for us. We just got delivered a beautiful beer. Yeah. You, you were perusing the beer menu, and you said, oh, my God. They had a Lichtenheiner, which is a style of beer you don't see very often. So, so tell everyone a little bit about uh, what a Lichtenheiner is. Um, it's a smoky, sour beer, usually low alcohol. Um, I don't know that much about it otherwise. Um, I do know that um, I'm usually into them when I see it, though. So. <laughs> this one's clocks in at 3.3 ABV. Yeah, perfect it's, for uh, pre-show. It's got a really very, yes, perfect pre-show drinking. Yeah. It's almost like a like a cool lemonade color. Yep, very straw. Very, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Straw, nice golden. Nice white, white head. Cheers. Yeah, Thank cheers. you so much for sitting down. Smells uh, like a sour beer would. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's really nice. So I like this. The level of smoke is present enough to to uh, make sense, to, to <clears throat> hold its own, but not so overpowering. It's a really nice Where, Whereas it tastes like a hot dog. Right. Yeah. Which is why my wife has been saying that since we've been drinking some smoked beers, and yeah. it sort of ruins some smoked beers for me. I've heard that before. I guess my, my, my brain just doesn't go there. <laughs> I don't have that flavor association. Very drinkable. You can uh, definitely go through way too many. For sure. Yeah, I think that's... Um, I remember reading somewhere some... <clears throat> Somebody talking about smoke beers, like, by your fourth one, you, you'll love them. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like a, an acquired getting to love taste. And by For sure. They get you right at the end. It's like, a, it's like what I always say about, like, I like worship Merciful Fate and King Diamond, but I understand if people don't like it. And I feel that way about, like, smoke beers and these kind of things. You, you got you to gotta get pummeled by it. Yeah. If you hear, like, some Merciful Fate for the first time and it doesn't click immediately, I can understand. 
the riffs are always amazing. Yeah. It's it's the high falsetto trying to take that seriously exactly. as a form of yeah. vocal approach. No no disrespect, I love the king. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm super into the fact that you are the main dude at True Brewing. Yeah, the head brewer there. Let's um, talk about that. Let's talk about beer in general. Sure. How did you get into the world of brewing beers? Yeah, I've been I've been brewing professionally now for going on eight years. Um, I started home brewing um, when I was getting my master's degree at University of North Texas, um, and it like I I became obsessed with it. Um, and then I I graduated and got an office job, and I hated it. I hated the work. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that job forever, living in the office world, I mean. Like, it's not really for me. So I was trying to figure out what I should do with my life. Um, and really, I, I decided I wanted to be a brewer professionally. And uh, there, wasn't a, there weren't many breweries in North Texas at the time. Now there's a fair amount. But... Uh, because of that, I, I packed up my shit and moved to Denver. And which, which was like the beer mecca. Uh, yeah, it was then and is even more now and um, decided to give it a go. So I started volunteering at some places and got my foot in the door at a small startup brewery in the suburbs of Denver and just worked my way up from there. Um, and it's been pretty great. What would be that first home brew that you made that I, was like, oh, wait a minute, yeah, I can drink this? I made the first beer I made was a maple porter, which I love porters. I don't, I don't know why. Very ambitious. Had, yeah, it was. <laughs> and uh, I, after I brewed the batch, I did so much wrong. I was sure it was going to be terrible, um, but I held on to it anyway. And immediately, I, I wanted to make one that I thought would be good. And I'd read about saison, and I read that. You know, you could ferment without much temperature control, and it would turn out really, really nice. So I very quickly brewed another batch of Saison to try to hedge because I wanted to make something that was good. But ironically, the Saison was terrible, and the porter <laughs> was really good. And and I swear I'm still brewing to this day trying to figure out why. To figure out why the yeah. Saison didn't work or why the porter did work? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was I, like a I, mir miracle of mistakes. I really just started, like, diving in like why didn't this thing work and then why did this thing work? I just started asking questions um, about fermentation and like started looking at ingredients and like there's so much to unravel there I, I like it, it um, quickly like took over <laughs> all the rest <laughs> of what I was doing and how delicate is it for you to balance being in chemist and being a head brewer at a up-and-coming, very popular craft beer brewery? Yeah, um, it's fairly tough, I would say, but not necessarily any harder than, I don't know, doing whatever people do in their lives and making time <laughs> for the things they love. I mean, the main thing that I do is uh, I work my ass off um, like especially for tour, like I work my ass off before we leave, and then when, immediately when I get back, and kind of try to front and backload all the work that I need to do. But in general, basically all I do is um, I, you know, go to work, make beer, and after that I go to band practice, and then I go home. And so like I have kind of cut out a lot of the other things in my life to just focus on playing music and making beer. Your, your two passions, which yeah. is why I was going to say that. Yeah. A lot of people 
don't necessarily enjoy their day job. So coming true, on tour is true. an escape. Yeah. Whereas you, you are leaving a passion at home when you come out to pursue the secondary passion. Yeah, it's really nice because they, they like fulfill different parts of my, you know, kind of emotional and creative needs. So like, um, it's nice to have them both. And it feels like I'm doing something different when I'm not, you know, when I'm doing one or the other. Um, so still going on tour is great because I, I don't feel like, oh, I'm leaving this behind. I'm like, I get to do this other cool thing now. But yeah, it is. Um, people ask me all the time, like, how do you do it? And main thing is, is uh, I don't sleep that much and I work a lot. So. <laughs> Sacrificing love. That's it, man. <laughs> do you feel like you have more time on tour? More downtime? <sighs> It's weird. As as the band becomes more successful, like yes and no. It, it's just straight. The load-in times get earlier, um, so the gaps of time become bigger. But there are weird amounts of time where you almost can't do much. And then um, we were talking about this before, but like I don't really like to drink before we play. Um, but it becomes easy too. It becomes easier is, to do that which when is you have slippery. more downtime. Yeah. So it's yeah, trying to fill that time with something else, which is weird, especially being a brewer because people are like let's go to a brewery check this out and i'm like i want to but i shouldn't uh, so it's weird it's a slippery slope yeah yeah so i just have to maintain like a fairly even keel and it all works out all right what would be like a day-to-day for people that don't know at home being a head brewer what yeah. does that consist of um i get up at 5 a.m every day and uh go into work I'll usually pull the grain we need for the brew we're doing that day. Most days I'm brewing, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, now we've got our shifts split into kind of like two phases, um, like an AM shift and a PM shift for brewing. So I'll take the early one. So I'll get to work, pull grain, uh, brew um, until about one in the afternoon. And then um, our other brewer will take over for the second batch. And uh, that's that's the bulk of, like, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then Monday, Friday, I kind of do, um, do scheduling, inventory management, all the more office work sides of it that I need to get done. But, you, you know, getting up at 5 a.m., so, some days will be 16 hours, some days will be... Seven. You just, you just don't know. It Equipment depends on all the, the time. Or it depends on could be the, the work brew, that could needs be, to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I hardly ever work 40 hours. That's like a really luxurious thing. Unbelievable. But, um, yeah. uh, it, ha- it happens. As, as I go on, I'm figuring out ways to kind of... Um, Delegate? Or? Yeah, and make life easier via process stuff, you know, as, so... Um, yeah. What would be a beer that you're the most proud of right now? Oh, man. I, I have a, a couple that I've been working on for a long time, but one that we're about to release is a, um, a Norwegian farmhouse-style beer. But um, a couple of months ago, I went went to Bergen, and uh, I had some Norwegian friends, and one of them uh, volunteered to take me to a actual farmhouse and learn how to brew traditional Norwegian farmhouse beer. Um, so we went outside of Voss, which is a couple hours away, um, to rural Norway, and I brewed in the, this Eldhus, they call it, which is like a firehouse where they really? would cook everything. And uh, how, how different is the process from that to what you do? Pretty, pretty different. I mean, 
a lot of this, the key elements are the same, but um, it was part of the reason I was have been interested in like Scandinavian um, traditional brewing is because it is fairly different from Western brewing anyway, and uh, so I got to um, get my hands on some yeast from there, and also um, just learn some of that process. So just recently, I made a beer with some of those processes and the yeast that I brought back from Norway. We had propped up with our local yeast bank for a pitch for this beer. And uh, so that's going to be coming out soon, and I'm very excited about that. And then another beer that we just released, um, it's basically just a Belgian pale ale. I'm obsessed with Terrace Bulba from De La Seine Brewery. Um, and last year I went to their brewery in uh, Brussels and kind of learned some of the their process things. Uh, they have different different um, size and shape fermentation vessels uh, to promote a certain yeast characteristic that has to do with the hydrostatic pressure on the yeast uh, via the shape of these fermentation vessels. And then I was, I think I was able to sleuth out what yeast strain they were using, and this is all been kicking around in my brain for about a year. And uh, trying to find the perfect moment, yeah. exactly. Get the and, perfect uh, and then I found a fermentation vessel that we could use that was similar enough to what they were using, and so I've been playing around with that stuff too. And and so those are really exciting things for me. That's cool. So you travel for the brewery? Yeah, I travel for the brewery. We do a lot of uh, festivals um, in the states, and then also around the world. Um, a lot of it just to get in front of people. Um, and then also just uh, we can sell a pallet of beer and it pays for the trip. So we can sell beer just to go hang out in a cool place. So, um, for example, like when Mikkeler invites us out to, to Copenhagen, it's like, yep, we'll sell a pallet of beer and go and hang out and we'll make some money. But it's it's more just the connections you're going to yeah, make. And yeah. And the, and the other thing, too, is um, there's a... Uh, kind of like a, in the same way that there's like a circuit of bands that tour all the time, it's, breweries are very similar and you end up getting to network and see a lot of the same faces that, you know, you want to be friends with these people who are making killer beer and being around them is always uh, a plus because you're learning from them all the time. And it's, it's just almost like jamming with them. Totally. When you do these collaborations with them, it's almost like yep. stepping into a jam room with them. Yeah, exactly. And throwing exactly. some ideas around, yeah. sharing your experience, mm -hmm. your approach to playing the drums let's say, with another drummer. Oh, for sure, man. And I, I, I've always been that way. Like, whenever I go see a band, I'll, I'll watch the drummer a lot just because I, I think almost every drummer... You know, you can pick up one little thing, maybe, you know, and um, brewing beer with other people, I always try to take away one little thing to add to our our process, not not in a way of, like, stealing something, but nice. finding something that, like, work would make sense for, like, our approach and being able to work that in and give it's our like an spin inspiration. It. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's being very creative, being a brewer, especially in that I read, like, an article stating that are we at the point where... It's gone too far. Yeah. That you have to be too creative. I that you need a new product all the time. Yeah. It's it I feel like the brewing industry right now is is in a really interesting place with some of what's going on. But a lot of it has to do with um the way that things have shifted from you know 
just being able to sell beer based on the beer is good versus having now to actually market beer in a real way. So, but I don't know. I, I really think, the, um, speaking about marketing beer, I don't know how involved you are with this. I'm curious to know. The branding, yeah. the logos, the, the can art. How, how involved are you in that? Almost not at all. <laughs> um, our owner, Because I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Our owner, Nick, um, does all of our graphic design. And we have one main artist, Sam Turner, who has done almost all of our art from day one. And uh, so Sam will do the art and give that to Nick. And Nick will, you know, make that into what it needs to be for packaging. And th that, com that combination has been amazing. I think, you know, they both do such a good job and it's created this thing where like the brand of true is really big even though like our production is still fairly small it's it's kind of crazy i'll like tr tr touring with a band will travel all over you know whether it be in the states or not and i'll see true shirts everywhere hats or whatever it's, but they're, they're badass yeah totally For people that don't know at home true brewings can artwork shirts everywhere it's, yeah. it's very metal i get i get it like and feeling i get a kick out of people not knowing who i am because i can just kind of hide around and count the true merchandise in the thing i don't know if they actually follow the band as well yeah, yeah because yeah. they know yeah yeah sometimes like it's been pretty cool. We, we've been getting more and more brewers coming to our shows over the years, and they'll bring bring us beer. And yes. like, so now I'll try to stock up on beer from True when we hit the road, so I can like give back, you know, have something to give back. That but circle of love, yeah. exactly. That tape yeah. trading, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. Stuff no. that you can't get a hand your hands on up here. Totally, especially in Montreal. I've I've never seen a True no, brew yeah, up here. Yeah. Um, we I think the only time we've sent beer to Canada was uh, Bellwoods did um and in, in Toronto did a a festival last year and we were out for that so who knows moving forward i don't know but it's gonna come it's gonna come yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, how often are you satisfied with your brews well <laughs> <laughs> somebody asked me like what's your favorite i i don't know man it's al almost never is my answer honestly really uh, yeah i'm pretty harsh critic of myself and my work and I almost always think things can be better. Um, I don't, I don't, um, I very rarely taste a beer that I've made and have thought, yeah, that's it. I'm almost always like, okay, this, this part of it could be better. Um, Is that the same thing when you, let's say you put out a new album yeah. and you listen to your drum track? Yeah, yeah. Do you have the same relationship with it? I do, but I have a little bit less of it for the musical side, and I'm not exactly sure why. I think um, there's so many elements to brewing where I feel like I could manipulate this thing to change this, to make this a little better. With drumming, I'm like, well... That's this is as good as I could have done. done. <laughs> <laughs> Despite playing drums for so long, I'm still this bad. So that's just how it is. <laughs> you, you, you accept that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. David Taro thought it was good enough. Yeah, 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 yeah totally, totally. <laughs> I think maybe that's part of it, too, is having somebody like Dave to work with. He's so critical. If, if, if it passes Otero, I feel like it's probably okay. Yeah. Huge you shout know. out to Otero, yeah. Boxing Ops alumni. Yeah. Yes. What would be that white whale of a beer? Oh, man. That you've always wanted to taste, but you never got your hands onto. Oh, man. That is really hard because I've, I've been fortunate now to try most things I've wanted to. Um, and, like, 
that kind of thing of like having a beer I'm dying to try has like I don't care anymore <laughs> about that. So you don't believe the hype. I don't, man. Yeah. And and the other, I that I was do. the heady top, your heady topper for me. Oh yeah, so much hype up here in Montreal. It's so great. much hype. I finally tried it. And I was yeah. like, nah. yeah, I've I like better. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, like the first time I had Pliny the Elder from Russian River, I was like, oh my god, I got to try this beer. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty I good. could brew better. <laughs> no, no. But I just it was like, I there's been a few moments for me like drinking beer that have have totally blown my mind where i've had a beer that's just been you know transformative and like has really expanded you know my understanding of what beer can be and i still love trying beer because i feel like i'm always chasing that dragon <laughs> looking for like that experience it happens really rarely and I don't expect it necessarily from a hype brewery or a not hype brewery. I think it could be anything. I just don't know. So I don't, you know, I, one of the recent examples of that is this brewery called Scratch Brewing. And uh, they had made a beer. They make a lot of beer with ingredients very local to them on their farm. And they would made a beer with tree bark and leaves. And it was amazing. That's badass. And it yeah. absolutely blew my mind. I'd never had anything like it. I couldn't figure out how they did it, which is all, always a thing for me. Like, I, I try to turn my brewing brain off a lot of the time when I'm just drinking beer. But when I'm trying something new, I'm I'm sitting there going like, Analyzing okay, this it. is Pilsner Mall, this is Mosaic Hops, this is I get it, I got it, cool, check. You know, like I, I which sounds arrogant, but no, I no, feel no, like no, a no. lot of the times like I can, you're, you're I, I can, basi I can basically understand how a beer is made. But every once in a while, I have a beer that's so like mind-bending. If I, if that's the thing, if I can't figure out how they got a flavor in a beer that's not an additive of some, you know, just like a um, chemical something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then I'm, I'm like fascinated, and that, that'll <laughs> blow my mind. So it still happens. I just don't. Um, I don't care where the beer's coming from necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> what about that first beer? Yeah. Do you have a? Um, do you remember your first beer? Yeah, the first one that blew my mind was. Le Fin du Monde from uh, Unibrew. Unibrew. From up here. Yes. Uh, I never had beer that tasted like that because I hadn't had Belgian beer before, That's right. Really. That's right. And uh, that is still one of my favorite beers just because of that experience. I think they're one of the first uh, bottle refermented yeah. beers in North America. Yeah, ex yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I still... Most of the beers that I give a shit about are Belgian-style beers. Um, we make a ton of Saison and things in that wheelhouse. and um, you Beers know that, that have character. Yeah. And they change I mean, like, over time. A lot of like, yeast-driven beers, I guess. Um, I don't know why, but that's always been more fascinating to me than some of the other styles of beer. And maybe it's because that first kind of beer you know, moment that... That was transformative. Was a, a yeast-forward beer. I, I I didn't realize that at the time. I was like, I don't know what the hell this is. This is like, awesome. oh my god, it's nine percent. Yeah, exactly. I, that, I at the time, that's why I ordered it. It Typical. tastes it tastes like something. Yeah, I was like a shitty twenty-one-year-old kid. I was like, I want to get drunk. This isn't that much more than this other beer, and it's nine percent. Cool. I'll order. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. I'll have four more. <laughs>
Yes, up, up here in Canada, you can get them in 40s, we call them, 40 ounces. Yes. And it was always a bad idea to drink the second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially when they're taped to your hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was Les Trois Pistoles. Oh, yeah. Which is also, yes. also from Unibrew. Yeah. I... That's that's cool that it's the same brewery. Yes. That's really cool. A very, very good. Yeah, I can remember that moment, though, very distinctly. So <laughs> I was at a British pub, oddly enough. I don't... So it doesn't Canadian make sense. In Texas, pub. none of this makes sense. <laughs> 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 but there we are. Do you have any breweries from Montreal that you are a fan of, aside from Unibrew? Man, I, I don't know the beer scene here very well at all, honestly. So... Maybe I might like breweries here. I don't even know we're from here. So, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what, what breweries are here? Oh, we got a whole bunch. We got Dieu de Ciel. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Yes. They're amazing. With uh, Peche Mortel. Yes. It's a classic yes. coffee stout. Yeah. Oh, how could I forget that? That's funny. Yeah. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah. How about doing collaborations with bands? Is that something that True has done before? Have you made a chemist beer yet? No, that's that feels too self-gratifying. I don't know. It feels like too egotistical. I can't do it. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why would that be? I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not making a beer for the band I play in. It just seems seems ridiculous. <laughs> would you be interested? The way Three Floyds makes beers with metal bands, yeah. or yeah. With, with your branding, it just makes sense to me to start making some collaboration. Yeah, we've, we've, we haven't really done it. We've talked about it. I mean, the main thing is we, we'll name all the beers after metal songs. And, um, you know, some of them are for bands that aren't around anymore, and some are for some that are. And um, we've talked about it with a few bands of doing something more directly collaborative. Um, Part of it is I'm so fucking hard-headed that I just want to make whatever beer I want to make, and I don't want <laughs> to collaborate. Yeah, I don't want to collaborate. <laughs> uh, we, we do a fair amount of collaborating, um, like a lot, actually, with other breweries, um, too. So, yeah, I mean, it really would make sense to do it with bands. Um, we just haven't done it yet. I don't know. I don't have a good reason. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I think uh, True Brewing is... Really, really excellent, strong, very good beer. I've never had the chance to come to the brew pub. Yeah, it's, I've heard that it's super cool. It's a really small Great atmosphere. Place. The 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 bar. Cool. Tell tell everyone a little bit about that. Just like a two thousand square foot shotgun bar, really narrow. Um, we have one huge long table and community seating, and then uh, some bar stools to sit at the bar, and we play metal and. Um, yeah, it's a fairly simple setup. We we used to brew at that locate where our bar is as well, but we've recently moved all of our production to a warehouse that's a couple of miles away. Um, we just started growing too much for that space and didn't make sense to keep brewing there anymore. So, which is a little weird. It's a little weird not brewing in the the place where you're you serving. Know, yeah, but it needed to happen. So. You, uh, you feel? I feel reservations against no, no, it. No, no, yeah. no. It, it's mostly a. Re it's honestly for me, it's great because it makes um, production management a lot easier, not having two locations to deal with, even though one was really small. 
you're still splitting people in and time and all that. So it's nice having all the resources in one place. But yeah, just uh, philosophically, it feels a little strange. But um, we'll see. It also gives us opportunity to do something cool in that space. And we're trying to figure out what direction we're going to go with that now. So, yeah. So next time I'm in Denver, I'm coming. Yes, please do. I hope you're home. I hope so, too. If not, I'll get recommendations from you. Yes. I'm stoked about it. Yeah, thank man. you so much, Zach, for coming. Oh, yeah. Thank bringing you. Bringing a pint with me. One of my favorite bars in Montreal, Brasserie Harry Canna. It's great. It's, um, I come here a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm away from home. Yeah. And when I heard you're playing down the street, I, I had to bring you here. Yeah, I appreciate but it. Cheers to you. Cheers. Thank cheers. you so much. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Zach, such a cool dude. Uh, I just can't wait to go back to Denver and uh, go to the tap room, the True Brewing tap room, and taste some of the beers that Zach has made. I always love doing that. It's just such a great experience on tour when you step into uh, a tap room that is far away from home, but as soon as you walk through those doors, you feel like you're right at home. So, Zach, I'm going to take you up on that offer, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to taste some of your beers. Super stoked to see you again, Zach. This past week, I added on the voxandhops.com. For the very first time, I have added a donate button. If you guys feel like you would like to donate financially to the podcast to show your appreciation of the podcast and help support it, you just follow the links on the website and uh, go through these steps via PayPal. You can make some donations. Anything helps. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be just something small. Everything means a lot to me, and I'll give you guys a shout-out on upcoming podcasts. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.